You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Sailing away on the crest of a wave, it's like Welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our featured guest has been interviewing metaphysical and spiritual teachers for the past 20 years. He has got a lot of great questions that he asks people. I'm real excited to have him on our show. Let us begin the program. Joining us now is Mr. Alan Steinfeld. He is the founder of New Realities. This is a phenomenal, great, phenomenal show. He's also a UFO researcher and a metaphysician, trying to understand the nature of our reality. Mr. Steinfeld, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ryan, for inviting me. I'm always uh, interested in people exploring these um, nature of reality. Actually, so that's one of the first things you talked about. I said you're exploring the nature of reality. What particular question are you most actively pursuing at this point? Well, that is a good question to ask about the question. <laughs> But, you know, actually, when we come down to it, reality is different for everyone. So my reality and your reality are, are not the same, and they never will be. So actually, what I am saying is reality comes down to perception. And how do we perceive the world uh, creates nature of reality. So the questions I'm pursuing is, what is the foundation of perception? What is recognition? What's the difference? I'm going to ask you this question. What's the difference between cognition and recognition? You know, I have no idea. I, I don't know if it's the observer or it's the it's the point of perception. I mean, I don't know. Is cognition the the idea of awareness of being present, and recognition is the idea of one particular piece of consciousness acknowledging another piece of consciousness? I don't know. Well, that's a gr- no, no. That you do know. That's a great definition. I'm going to include that in my next book. Oh, thank actually, you. but what I say, how I break it down is recognition means to recognize so you have to have cognized a a situation in the world or an image or a, a concept in order to recognize it so how do you cognize anything well it's conditioned into us you know your 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 teacher says this is an elephant it shows you a picture of an elephant you see that it looks like an elephant and one day you go to the circus or the zoo and there was an elephant and boom your recognition is formed by your initial cognition. So our cognition is a sort of programming of reality. And um, if you never saw a picture of an elephant and suddenly you saw this strange-looking animal, you would not be able to recognize it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what it was. You would think it, it's some um, apparition. You would think it's some fantasy creature uh, but because you've had that training and that cultural conditioning, then it's, uh, it's informed in your mind. So if you see something that you don't recognize, though, in our culture, people generally ignore it. They, 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 they put it in a box that they know instead of classifying or putting it into a, a, a bigger box that we don't know. See, the box of the unknown is much bigger than the box of the known. So that's why I would say to people, if they saw an animal or something that they didn't recognize, well, don't discount it. Don't make it like a, some oversized fat horse with a long nose. You know, make it, give it a new category of experience. So this is really how we start to expand reality by um, distinction and creating new levels of awareness, new boxes to put um, what we are perceiving and expanding into into a, a greater modality of truth. Okay. That's a great answer. Yeah, no, no, I love That's it. Good. No, I think it's great. And we were talking about cognition. If you're looking at the masses yeah. and you see that you have a bunch of people that can be manipulated. I mean, I think that a lot of people on, on the planet are manipulated. They're in a, a, a metaphysical matrix. We've discussed with John Rappaport before about this. And I'm thinking about that. In your perception, what do you think are some of the common ways that cognition is manipulated on a grand scale? 
Well, cognition is manipulated on from the time you're born, it's manipulated to with your education, first of all. It teaches you to look at one thing and not another thing. It is um, religion. Religion is one of the main corruptors of uh, free will and cognition uh, because the Jesuits said that. You give me a child before five and we'll make him a Jesuit for life because – you know, when we are – well, actually, there's going back to the example of the elephant. When a baby elephant is um, very young, they tie it to a post with a chain, and the, the elephant can't break that chain, and when and it just uh, feels that resistance. But when it grows up, that elephant is still chained to a post, but um, – you know, it feels that pull and it thinks it can't break it because it's been trained to think that it can. So everything pretty much in our culture trains us for our limited way of thinking. Uh, Terrence McKenna said culture is not your friend because it makes you fit into an acceptable role that makes it okay, makes your behavior, makes your creativity, makes everything that you really are in essence fit in limited stuff into a box and and put a cap on it and, and and that's not who we are. We are unlimited beings with unlimited creative potential waiting to unleash it on the universe to uplift humanity and change the nature of reality because that's the only way it does change is through creative action. Okay. If you're looking at an easy way or a way mm-hmm. to persuade somebody to change their perspective, do you find that is it better to connect with them on an emotional level or is it better to connect with them on a logical level? Which of those two you think are more uh, persuasive in the short term and the long term as far as changing a person's perception forever? Great question. Thank you. you. There the really isn't anything as logic. There's just perceived logic. So if you say on a logical level, then you're not going to change anybody. That's that's the problem when you argue about politics. Can't you see this guy is an idiot? And it's like no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It's like people are think logically along certain bias lines. So you have to go to the emotional feeling because it's emotion that frees us. It's a feeling nature that frees us from the the confines of the mind. So I think. Hitting people emotionally, not hitting them, but affecting them emotionally, going to their emotion, making them, helping them feel. This is what the arts are about. The arts are not an intellectual process. It's a feeling process. Those people make movies or sing songs or, or, or create great dances. Any action of art is to impact someone on an emotional level. And, and that's why we're here as human beings. We are emotional creatures. And, and this is how our evolution is through our emotional feeling capacity, but not through the old dramas. There's, there's uh, another level of feeling that we have yet to tap into that's not about hate and anger and war and jealousy, but it's subtler than that. And this is what I think the creative arts are moving towards. So, yes, emotional capacity, making people feel things that they had buried in their subconscious mind, but activating them through some kind of expression is a, a, a way people can open up to new realities. And Alan, you, I think you nailed it, talking about art being expressionism, this creativity, and I love what you said about that, because I, I don't know about you, but I feel that Hollywood and a lot of the entertainment industry has been, I don't know, boring for the last 20 years, and they always try to make movies about movies that were hit 30, 40 years ago, and I feel there's such a lack of creativity. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because people are so afraid, but I was wondering if you've identified that, if you feel that there is a lack of uh, renaissance, or there's been a lack of renaissance in humanity, and if there is a lack of a renaissance of creativity, what do you think would cause another one to occur? Another good question. I mean, there's a lack of creativity in Hollywood, I think, because that is uh, they're trying to uh, go to what's acceptable. They're trying to uh, fit into a formula. But, you know, that's when you look at the books of uh, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. You know, she was rejected by... Um, you know, dozens of publishers because they said this doesn't fit in anywhere. Original thought. We don't need to hear the same old love story. That that's that doesn't evolve us. There are new stories, but they're on the fringes. It takes people who are willing 
to listen to a new story. We don't have to keep repeating the same dramas. We're, humanity is evolving with the new stories. We're here. There are new stories out there. So there's not a uh, necessarily a, a, not a lack of renaissance. The renaissance just is and the fringes of the culture. It's always been there. And it needs to come forward with um, people who recognize genius on the fringe. You know, there's a lot of creative artists out there, creative movie um, makers. You just have to go to the film festivals. Yep. But that's the problem. When things become institutionalized, like religion, like education, like medicine, it tends to just make it all the same. And, you know, unfortunately, Hollywood's been been that way for a while. Occasionally you get like a breakthrough movie, Slumdog Millionaire. Of course that was made in India. But there's been there's been breakthrough movies that suddenly give us a new sense of perspective. And I and I look for those. I I look for who's doing um new original content. I mean hip hop when it came in was original. Now it's like the same old thing. So what's the next thing? This is what I look for in creating my brand as I as um focus on new realities. I look for new talents. I look for people with metaphysical abilities that are um, bringing that to the masses. I have a friend who does like a performance art show called The Empath. He sits in an art gallery and he reads people psychically. And it's sort of like a combination performance art, psychic reading. But it's it's a new medium. And, and this is exciting for me, the, the new renaissance that's underground. And it's always been underground, really. The avant-garde has never been mainstream until someone comes along and makes it mainstream. But um, we just have to look for it. You have to look. If you don't want to watch the same old Hollywood movie where they're blowing things up or some stupid chase scene or yeah, they've done that movie so many times. It was cool, 1996. But come on, how many times did they have to do it? Right, it wasn't even cool in 90s. It was cool in 66. But anyway, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what we have to look for. That's what we have to keep on the lookout. Hamilton, original. Um, music, I mean, breakthrough, and now everyone's trying to copy it. But, uh, you know, you, you have to honor the originals and be original yourself, not a copy of an original. This is, but everyone has the genius in them. Everyone has originality. That's what makes you, you, and me, me, and my friends sitting here, her. So, um, this is what we have to look for, originality. Wait, speaking of originality, and there's sometimes that, um, there's an idea or concept that seems to be very original in nature, but then pretty soon after a while it becomes a uh, a fad, or people want to kind of jump on board to be cool, and then then you get these corporations that want to commercialize it. And the reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is because I feel that there are certain aspects of uh, definitely religion, but the New Age movement and other uh, metaphysical concepts that seem to have a very you know distinctive root in nature, but have been so watered down and commercialized. So I was wondering what your thoughts are about that, well, and also. Um, how do people separate from uh, ideas and concepts that are original and good-hearted in nature compared to those that are just a corporate sham or a way to just make money? Well, I think people, first of all, have been mm, desensitized to what is original. They, they, they are like um, force-fed uh, junk. And so, you know, anyone on a diet of force-fed junk food will start to crave that junk food, and, and they don't even know they're being conditioned and brainwashed and, and put into a box. So um, you talked about the New Age or the spiritual movement. Uh, which part do you think has gotten commercialized when you say that? I'm well, I think that one part I think has gotten really commercialized is um, is ours when people do these things where they, where they go and they take a snapshot of you and they, they go, okay, well, you know, you have this energy or that energy, and they'll do that snapshot snapshot picture, but they won't ask the person questions about what processes and emotions are you not dealing mm. with. Because I don't, I don't know if you could just take a picture of somebody and look at a color within their etheric energy field and also point out things, unless you are maybe deeply empathic or you can actually be aware and visually see that. So I don't know if the, I think that is an, that way. And I also think that sometimes there are people that will make uh, necklaces and will make bracelets. And they'll say, oh, you know, here's something shiny and fancy, and this is something that's going to protect you. Meanwhile, if you look at some of the pr basic principles of these stones, you may need to have one or two and hang on to them. So I feel that there is a commercialization in all different aspects that uh, affects, you know, metaphysics, 
uh, organized religion, even spirituality, in some way, shape, or form, I feel there's always an opportunity out there trying to capitalize on it. On it. And the mm-hmm. ones that make the flashy books, the ones that make the flashy products, they some seem, somehow seem to run away with it sometimes. Well, you know, there, I have two um, kind of uh, opposing ideas about that. First okay. of all, um, at least people are becoming aware of the energy of things, even if it's like to hustle someone and make them money, like, okay, you buy a crystal, and maybe they do feel something, you know. So even if it's commercial, then, like, wow, they're opening up a new sense of awareness. And, of course, the other thing is, yeah, people have always been con artists in a way. They've always sold snake oil, and I think, you know, we have to train our children, ourselves, to start to feel, to feel what's real. We have to um, sensitize ourselves as opposed to the desensitization that has been conditioned into us. We've been shut down. So people are afraid to be emotional, to afraid to be feeling, but that's our human gift is, is to feel. So we have to be sensitive. We have to cry at the drop of a feather if you want. I mean, we have to open, we have to not be afraid to feel. We are human feeling beings. That's it. And we've been so shut down, you know, that uh, it's, that's the Why, why have we been here. shut down? Why, why do people... So I've we been... can be controlled, so we can be manipulated, so we can fit in, so we don't have to um, rattle the cages of those in power. You know, religion and government and media and even institutionalized medicine is all there to control us. And if you you can be controlled, then you're a good population. Then people in power can stay in power and make more money. That's why, you know, why don't we have free energy now? Free energy exists. It's everywhere around us. It's free energy. The universe runs on on energy, and it's not something you have to charge someone for when you plug into the world. It's everywhere, and I think our government and science knows that. Tesla knew that, but yet you can't make money on it if you're a corporate, you know, structure to, uh, if it's free energy. So, sure, that's why the whole UFO thing, which is a whole big subject I get into, has been denied because obviously they're not filling up their gas tank to get here. Well, before we go into the UFOs, I definitely want to cover that because I love the um, the documentaries by Doctor uh, Doctor Alan Greer, uh, Stephen Greer, Stephen Greer, yeah, Stephen Greer, Greer phenomenal. Yeah. I want to ask about your background and your awakening because I want to let everyone know that Alan uh, Steinfeld, he's from New York. You got to get the New York style. Been in that crazy city, the city that never sleeps. And here's Alan, right in the middle of it, and you're going toe to toe with all these different people. And that's I would call it the cutting edge of culture in the world. I love New York. I'm from New York and. Very passionate about it. So, how, how did you come to your awakening, and uh, how did you kind of grow and evolve and come to your conclusions? Well, thank you for asking that, because, you know, New York is a place that is cutting edge. It's a place where people do try new things and 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 can succeed with originality. It's what people look for here. They're not looking to fit in in New York, and so that was a sort of training. Uh, they're looking to be original. You know, if you go to the Midwest or even L.A., California, everyone's looking to fit in, and New York, it's like, how can you be different here? So that was a sort of training, but I was brought up in the suburbs and uh, very white bread, middle class, and I thought everything I saw on television was the truth. You know, I thought that... Um, you know, the news was what it was. and But it was also during the times, although I was a little younger, when the Vietnam War was happening and people were starting to protest. They were trying to say, well, just because our government says we have to go to war doesn't mean that it's a right war. And, and that started to um, stimulate questions. Well, and, and this was really not shown on the mainstream television, but you would – parts of it, peace march, and, you know, my, my parents weren't so conservative, but they were very um, middle of the road, so they, they didn't really pay attention to that. My father was a hardworking person, and my mother stayed at home and raised three kids, but we were trying to fit in as normal suburbans, but I, I, I actually, I had insomnia, and I couldn't sleep at night. I would put on the radio and listen to um, Things like Long John Neville, if you know who he was, he was, had the first metaphysical show on WOR in, on New York Radio. And then there was WBAI, which was a really radical – you remember – do you know BAI? Yes. 
That's Pacifica Radio. Well, that's alternative alternative news, not fake news, but alternative news where you get a different perspective. Well, maybe, you know, um, the Vietnam War wasn't the right thing. Maybe there was a conspiracy that killed Kennedy. Maybe there are UFOs. So, you know, I started to see that there were alternatives to the mainstream culture, which were not wrong. They were made wrong, but they made more sense, you know, than what they were telling me on on CBS News. And so I I looked for those alternatives because I said, why don't I know it? And then it came across a copy of the National Lampoon, and boom, that was just a total um, mock-up of of the reality that uh, I knew. And then there was the Village Voice, which I started to read, like, in in the late 60s. And that was a different angle on what was possible. So I said, how can all these things be true and yet be uh, opposed to to each other, have different points of view? Because in reality, there is only, there's not one absolute truth. There's only your truth. And I started to understand that um, in order to understand the ultimate reality, if you want to call it that, we have to understand many different versions of the truth. It's like that movie Rashomon. Did you ever see that, where there are four different versions of a murder, and they're they're told from four different points of view, and there's no absolute truth. Science, quantum physics is showing that the observer, where you are, is reality. Einstein started that with his theory of relativity. Light moves uh, away from you relative to where you are and relative to how fast you're moving. So... Uh, the whole revolution and in quantum physics, which is the renaissance, was the rena- of the 20, 20th century, showed us that um, physics is relative, science is not absolute, and it's based on perception. The whole Heisenberg experiment, is it a, and is it a wave or is it a particle? Is Schrodinger's cat dead or alive? This all comes down to subjective reality. So ultimately, there's no... There's nothing to base um, um, absolute truth on, and this has made all the difference. This is the revolution we're moving into. This is why creativity uh, will be making a renaissance as we move into this new time of awakening because creativity is the expression of your subjective reality that can impact others as you take it in and open up emotionally to what this artist is saying. And and that's what's so exciting. Well, I think it's awesome you said that. As far as creativity goes, had discussions with some of our other guests and wondering if you have people that are very creative and they are strong inside. I'm talking about they have a strong energy presence, a lot of love in their heart, that they can actually affect people without even saying a word. And I was wondering what your thoughts are about that concept and also how do people strengthen their observer state? How do they become stronger and be more capable, more empowering to control the reality, to manifest things from thought to physical manifestation quicker. Well, thank you for asking me that. First, you have to trust who you are. First, you have to know who you are, separate from the noise that's being uh, put into your brain all the time. You have to shut off that television, that radio, even your computer, which I I have a hard time shutting myself. but, (laughs) But you have to shut that off and say, who am I? What do I know? What do I believe? What do I want? What's my passion? separate from all the noise that's coming into us from everywhere, you know, and I'm like an information junkie. I I just find it everywhere, but I had to shut it off. I had to do a 10-day Vipassana program where you sit in silence perfectly still in order to start to recalibrate my own thoughts. So to become strong inside is to trust what you know and what you feel and your own creative action, even if no one likes what you're doing, if no one likes what you're drawing or writing or singing, if you believe it, that's, 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 that will make a difference. And, and the more you go for your passion, whatever it is, whatever brings you joy, which is your creative art, that, that will become stronger. The more you believe, you have to believe in yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be shut down by everyone out there who says you're not good. And, and, and what do they know? You know I mean, you can get feedback from people, of course, and say, well, maybe this or that. But, you know, if you believe in something, if you trust something, then 
you'll find the power to express that. That's what you see on all those uh, America Got Talent programs is these, um, you know, people in the middle of nowhere suddenly come out with this incredible voice or act or something because they believed in themselves. That's the only way we you can make it. You've got to believe in yourself more than what the world is telling you isn't true. And, and that's the power we need. And you need to listen to that still small voice in you, that voice inside of you that's telling you to move forward in this direction. And, you know, we've been shut down even by psychology. It's telling you not to trust yourself. Well, if you if you get an inspiration, if you hear a voice, if you have something, well, you have to check it out. You know, but I'm saying if you hear that voice in a good way, that's inspiring. That's your, that's the voice of God, that which is your God. God is a personal um, um, essence of each one of us. There's no absolute God in heaven judging us. The God that, that is, exists, and according to me, is that God inside you. It is the observer. God is equated to the observer, you know, outside the personality, outside the body, who you are, and observing the, the conscious play, the Layla, as they call it in Hindu, of reality in front of you. The observer of reality is the God of your being. And that's, and if you follow that strength, that voice, that mm, inner calling, that's all you're ever going to need. And that will guide you in the right direction. I truly think so. When you tap in, get rid of the noise, get rid of all the things that say you can't do this, you can't be this, and trust what you want to do. Trust the passion and that will bring success. I know it will. And that's the only thing that has. Look at all these people who've made it against unbelievable odds. They've done it because they believed in themselves more than what other people were telling them. Alan, your experience, if you're looking at um, experience, what have been some of your most profound experiences with the UFOs and why did you become so passionate about them? Well, I think people who become passionate about UFOs in general is not looking to escape humanity. It's because they've had a genuine experience. They either saw something, they they had a dream, they had a vision, which which happened to me. I was uh, well, I used to see strange um, beings at my window as a child, and if you listen, if you um, listen to a lot of people who've had experiences, that's sort of classic but i mean i didn't know that i just saw these strange creatures or uh, what i imagine maybe it was my imagination i don't uh, i don't know but in 1987 i was driving cross country with this girlfriend of mine we were heading from the west coast to the east coast and we were stopped we, we were just exhausted from driving all day and we stopped by this sort of a abandoned canal it was in uh west Platte. Uh, it was in west Platte. North Platte, uh, Nebraska, Western Nebraska. I won't forget that place. So, and we just um, went to sleep along the side of the road, a little turned off the road. But we just were knocked out for some reason. We just passed out and were frozen. All, and we felt like we didn't move all night. So it's like we were like um, put in this like uh, bubble in a sense. And and then I woke up that morning and said, did anything weird happen? I go, nah. And we just drove out of there because, because it was so creepy. And then I get back to New York, and I'm at the pool. I'm at a pool and with my family. My mother says, what's that on the back of your leg? And I look, and it's this four-pronged puncture mark on the back of my knee. And and I said, what's that? And then I called this girlfriend, and she was uh, – Living in Detroit, and I think I said, "Do you think anything weird happened?" And then she was regressed, and she saw that yes, we were taken aboard. And I started to meet people like Bud Hopkins, who said, "Yes, that's a mark of abduction." But the whole thing was just so strange for me. It took me a long time to accept the fact that I was actually, you know, met these beings that I I didn't remember at all. But the following year, I had a dream where these beings came into my room. And they handed me this little creature, this little, it looked like a little alien, but it looked more like an animal, it looked like a deer with big eyes. And I, I, and it wasn't a dream necessarily, but it was altered in an altered state of consciousness because they don't, these ETs, they don't live in our reality, but they don't, they're not, they're still physical, but they don't live in our mental concept of what reality is. They're in a parallel um, dimensional space that interact with our space. So anyway, they handed me this little 
I think it was a hybrid human-alien being, which is partly my genetics and partly their genetics, which is why they're abducting people. And I said, oh, my God, this is weird. <laughs> and then, then they, but I remember that. I, I, I haven't forgotten that. And then I started to have um, dreams. I, I only say they're dreams. I can't prove any of this was real except for the mark on the back of my leg. I can prove that. Uh, but uh, I had dreams. I was aboard ships and um, interacting with these beings. And, and this um, uh, started I, – I always always wanted to be an astronaut as a, when I was growing up, and I was obsessed with programs like Star Trek and um, space. I, I wrote the first poem I ever uh, wrote as a child about the stars, and it's like I was somehow knew those lights in the sky were other places. I just knew that intuitively. It's like how come everyone's not knowing that or wondering that? It's like you know, you see a house in the distance with a light on, you know, someone's home. Well, it's the same thing when you look at the stars. And, they're, of course, they're discovering there's the planets around every star, and there are a lot of them probably Earth-like planets. So, I mean, it's just absurd to think that we are the only, um, you know, sort of intelligent race in the universe. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a plot by the cultural powers to keep us separate from the true source of who we are, which is creation, which is life, which is everywhere. So UFOs, ETs, they're not different than us. They just think differently. They may act, but the same essence, the same soul essence that is in us is in them. I mean, they may be more evolved intellectually uh, and have a greater technology, but they also want to interact with us, but we're too controlled and brainwashed to be open-minded enough to interact with them. We have to start to become lucid within our dream states, and that's what I started to do in order to interact with these ET presences. As far as the UFOs you come in contact with, you said that they're in a different reality. Now, I'm wondering that if they are in a reality without time, timelessness, that their form would never change, that there would never be any kind of uh, A to B progression of their evolution that they would be more along the lines of spiritual or in a spiritual type form. I was wondering, what is the difference between their reality and our reality, fundamentally speaking? Is time sped up? Is things that are manifested from the mind easily physically manifested into reality much quicker? And as far as the collective speaking, uh, collective's going, uh, my understanding is that there is a being of uh, extraterrestrials that are called greys, and they're all very similar. And I'm wondering if the beings that you've come across have been very distinctive uh, individually and that have ex- been much more expressive in individual personalities than you've seen as far as uh, compared to human beings? Well, to answer like sort of all that, there's many, many, many different intelligence and races out there. And I think they do still exist in time. The frequency or the rate of time isn't the same as ours. They're vibrating at a, a different uh um, rate of speed, the molecular vibration is, is putting it, them into a different time flow. There are races or um, civilizations that are pretty much like the gray, or that are grays that have a sort of uniform personality, but they are sort of more um, drone type um, uh, beings. I think the grays, and there are there are beings beyond the grays that are doing the abductions to evolve the race because, I mean, just if we talk about the greys, they reach the end of their evolutionary cycle. Talking about a lack of renaissance, they, they bred their creative passion and emotional capabilities out of them um, for intelligence, pure intelligence, and they forgot that, you know, or forgot or didn't know that it's the passion, it's the love, it's the emotion that gets them really to to God, if you want to call it that. So they took a they went down a dead end and now part of this hybridization, this cross pollination between humans and greys is to bring back what we have, which is our emotional capacity into that population. But that's only one uh race that's out there or maybe it's multiple races. But there are beings that do exist as uh as less physical that are mm, uh, more ascended, they exist in a higher vibration of, of pure light, pure essence. Less, I mean, I still think they have a physical quality to them, but there's, let's say, it's more light 
essences, but some of them are are do retain their individuality even in that light frequency because actually that's what we are. We're light frequencies. So as we are evolving and we're in a time of punctuated evolution where we're going to the next level very rapidly. Everything that we're seeing around us that's breaking down isn't, it's what's not working. It's what's in the way of this huge leap. And people are, I'm seeing this all the time, friends and, and people I work with and lectures that I do, people are having awakenings. Some call it Kundalini awakening, with, awakening where suddenly the, the, the dormant energy at the base of their spine shoots up and their brain lights up and they're having visions and, um, and, um, Seeing energies and connecting to uh, higher intelligences that that sometimes can be shocking because they haven't had the orientation towards those uh, possibilities that uh, that aren't accepted in our mass culture. So, um, but it's happening. There's an awakening. There's a grassroots awakening happening, and this is what we're moving into. So we're actually moving into more of these. Um, forms of interaction with these aliens that are waiting. They've been waiting hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years to wake up to this point in time where we're where I call moving into the fifth dimension. And I, I explain it this way. You know, the third dimension is your body. The fourth dimension is your emotional, mental reality. It's but really what your world is made of is emotion and, and mentality. And that, but in the, in the limited sense, the fifth dimension is these higher levels of consciousness where you start to sense something more. You start to feel something more. You start to awaken telepathically. You start to pick up the field of someone sitting next to you and they start, and you start to realize that you're an empath yourself. You start to read people's minds. And, and so this awakening of the neurology is the next step in our cultural evolution. And, and the old dramas are falling away. That's why Thank you're goodness. bored. Exactly. I'm, I'm waiting you're for the world to get started. <laughs> Well, this is, you're doing your program because you're, this is your creative action. This is how you're waking up. This is your planting seeds in other people's minds for their awakening. And it may sound very idealistic, but I don't think we have a choice. Uh, otherwise, yeah, we're just here. They, they can't, they can't make any more Medea movies for God's sakes. I'm doing this show because I, I, they can't make any more Medea movies and no more Transformer movies. But I love Transformers, but it's the same movie. We, we gotta grow. It's all the same movie, and there's so many stories out there. I think this year there might be some new original thing, but that's the problem with Hollywood. If it's not the same old movie, they're not willing to produce it. And if it is the same old movie, people get bored. So they're stuck in a place where they have to go and look towards the independence for original material. And I think that's what's happening. The creative minds are in independent cinema. So why don't you look for some independent cinema and, um, you know, you won't be bored. You, you don't have to go to the, what movie did you say it was, the Transformers? Oh, why even go to a Transformers I, movie? Because I, I know I'll be in and out in, a, in an hour and a half. I don't like seeing movies that are two hours long. I have to be in and out in, a, in an hour and a half. See some independent films. Go to Sundance. Go see a documentary. Go see something, you know, you haven't seen before. Read a book. Oh, I, that's what I have. I love reading books. I, I've got to – just two pot questions yeah. came to mind as far as the um, – you just said about the UFOs. I've been, always been curious to know if you think, if you've ever come across that the greys are actually humanity of the future, coming developing a way to come back mm -hmm. in the past to kind of rediscover themselves and try to heal things. And I'm wondering if – because we can evolve to a point where maybe um, this is apparently when we come into this reality, we have amnesia, we forget who we are, we don't remember our past lives. Is there an evolution, a jump coming? Do you see where people from that incarnate actually do remember or have some semblance of their past lives naturally, so they don't mm -hmm. feel completely alone? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, sorry. I, I mean, absolutely for both. I think possibly I have heard the Greys are our future where we took that dead end and we just purely developed our intellect and ignored our emotions and ignored our passion and we overdeveloped something and, and we, we uh, went to, we hit a wall, we hit a dead end. Now they're coming back through time in order to bring the emotions back, the, the feeling nature, which people thought was in the way of evolution. We're realizing, no, that is evolution. So that's one aspect of – I've heard that. I can't say that's true. 
I think there's many levels of reality. That could be one thing. I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, some people say the grays are from the future and they some, and they're from some future maybe or from some parallel existence and they do, I feel, need what we have. This was the work of Bud Hopkins who really starred the early abduction, uh, investigations and, um, uh, which, which I'm also writing about and talking about. But I think we've reached the end of that cycle. I think they've taken what they wanted and needed from us and now they're in the next cycle of developing these hybrid human alien uh, creatures to inhabit another planet somewhere. I mean, uh, people like David Jacobs said, no, they're going to here to take over our world, but I don't think so. There's a lot of Earth-like uh, livable planets out there. So, um, like, what's I that? I would love to see some of those Earth-like planets. I would love to know what it would be like to live on a planet without all these, you know, control freaks. What kind of wonderful it's to have a nice little planet. Well, create that in your life, and then you won't have it. <laughs> so I'm working I mean, on it. Okay, it's a work. All right, well, you have to get rid of your – if you're seeing it out there, I mean, I don't know you, but I would say there's some aspect that, you know, is being reflected in you. <laughs> I spend a great deal of time – in addition to the adolescent energies, I spend a lot of time in PR. So I have to observe the news cycle. And one of the first things we're at the top of the news cycle is always death control and all that stuff. So I, it's constantly being on the news cycle. I, right. I, try, I try not to right. infringe upon anyone. Well, maybe you have to change your job. I'm saying if you do want to get away from it, it's going to be – People are, are fascinated with drama because they're stuck in drama. But you're ready for the next level of your evolution. That's what I'm feeling. I, I mean, the choice is yours. But you can break out of the news cycle. You can generate good news. You don't have to feed that. I mean, whatever you want, of course. It's your living and all that. But and I, I understand. But, you know, there is more. There is more that you can discover and that it does exist. There are the real enlightened people out there doing beautiful, beautiful things to help change the planet and bring it into the paradise that we know we deserve, that exists all around us, that is the potential for human civilization on a beautiful planet called Earth. There is a possibility of paradise here. It's not here yet. We have to work through a lot, but that is possible. Now, as far as the other question about being born with um, you know, awareness, there, you know, there are these. I'm just wondering if there's, if there's a place, I mean, if humanity is actually going to get to that point, we'll have that, or do we have to, you know, get out of our physical well, bodies going to another species? No, no. If you look at the work of Ian Stevenson at, uh, I think it was the University of Virginia, he, he would talk to uh, young children who remember their past lives, and, he re and he'd look at birthmarks on their body and, and then trace back who they said they were, and they saw that these people who were, were killed had birthmarks in their next lifetime at the place that they were maybe shot or stabbed or whatever. And he made that parallel when he studied a whole bunch of uh, – uh, uh, young children remember their their past lives. The, the story of uh, uh, James Langer, who was shot down in World War II, he said he was born. He said, "I'm the third James." And he said, "What are you talking?" His parents were born again Christians. They didn't know what he was talking about. But anyway, they traced it back to he remembered being shot down on on a uh, uh, navy ship for the U.S. Anyway, so it's slowly coming back, and I think people with near death experiences are remembering where they've been on the other side. So if you really want to remember this, people like Brian Weiss that are doing past life regression. Or in my case, I just had a spontaneous awareness of my past life, and it wow. and it wasn't pleasant. Oh, it geez. wasn't a picnic in a, in so a you concentration. Were, you were like a killer or something? No, I was in a concentration camp, and probably maybe Auschwitz. I can't, I can't even say that name, Auschwitz. It still brings up a lot of heavy emotion. Those concentration camps, but it was a it was a learning. I mean, here we are again, uh, one more time. So, um, you know, each lifetime, I and mean, we've had thousands. Probably they've been like a breath. I mean, it's all recorded in your soul as part of your evolution in the human cycle or maybe you incarnate on other planets but people if you want to remember it look in the mirror with a candle and start to see your face change you'll see it change into all these different races and people and male female and, and all those beings and it could be just your imagination are 
coming through on the soul level because your soul remembers everything from lifetime to lifetime. It's giving you the images of what you were. And your soul records every experience in those lifetimes. They call it the Akashic Records, but it's inside you. Their soul is contained within the spirit of your being. So if you want to know your past lives, just look in the mirror and see what comes to you. Trust your imagination. What what parts of history are you are you drawn to the French Revolution or 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 Russia or maybe the near east far east? I, I, those are 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 so remembrance remembrances of other times and other lives and just trust people listening have to trust and and go with it and it doesn't matter what you were it only matters who you are but it's curious well i'll say i've done that before and i've done that i've sat in front of the mirror stared at myself with a with a candle and surprisingly i've seen a bunch of faces and surprising to me i was not attractive in any of my past lifetimes i may have to do one lifetime on earth where i'm a good-looking man or a good-looking woman because as far as i'm concerned i was a 2 a.m guy and man either all of my life mm-hmm. there's no, no reason. i i i think you probably had uh no, no, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to yourself. No, no, no. You've only seen the ones that. No, keep looking. You're gonna find that. You I'm know. trying what, to find what, one. I looked at all my faces. No, I'm like, come on, you like, ah, oh my. No, 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 no. What? It's not about what. It's not about the material. What were you drawn to? What cultures were you drawn to? What just, were you resonating? I was resonating. Yeah. I felt that I was. I felt a lot of connections to uh, kind of uh, earlier civilizations. And it was weird. It's like when I was doing this, I feel connection to these earlier civilizations, but nothing in the modern era except for like maybe now. I don't know. I feel like I just kind what of what what earlier civilizations I'm were you drawn to? I'm just a, like kind of um, I, I call it a prehistoric if you want to call it that way, prehistoric, well, animalistic type. And now and then I'm here, and then actually right, what well, was the Civil War too? Sorry, Civil War in this. Well, Civil War, go with that. I mean, let yourself feel that what it feels like to be a part of those ages. And if you really, and that's if you want to know your past lives. Trust what's coming up for you. Just trust it. You know, don't ignore it. Something there's a truth there, and it's to be believed. So, if you really want to know, if you're serious about it, there are ways of knowing. But on the other end, everything that you've experienced in the past has made you what you are now. All the experiences, not the physical looks, but the experiences of all those lifetimes are, are part of your soul's wisdom. It's what you're taking into the future. Of course, some people say all time exists at once, but I'm saying right now, you're an accumulation of everything you've done. So gather that wisdom, own it, and create something new from it that hasn't been done before. This is my calling out to you. I appreciate it. Oh, I'll do it. I, I'm, I'm always curious to go a little bit more and go deeper, and um, I'm going to see to ask that. I, I, we only have just two more questions. And one of the questions sure, sure. Is, is when you have read the works of certain individuals, certain authors, when you've read the words, what, do you, what words or um, authors' works have you read that you feel have been the most powerful or carry the strongest resonance? Because when you said something at the beginning of the show, about artistic expression, it's not it's not the visual, it's it's the illicit, it's the feelings, it's the powerfulness of it. What um, works have you read that you feel have been most powerful to you? Great, I think the the gift of a great artist is not to explain the universe, but to give you the sense of mystery about the the world. It's to enforce that there is a mystery and you're part of it. So I I love the works of James Joyce and. One, uh, you know, one of the most uh, probably difficult books to read is Finnegan's Wake because it's written on so many levels. But just looking at that, just the title Finnegan's Wake means uh, about six or seven different meanings. Finn again, to end again, wake, wake up, to be in a wake, to have a wake, you know. So just that, if you read that book on the multiple levels of reality it was written upon, it will start to open us up to a greater sense of being that we exist on those levels so my favorite line from that book is somewhere in the middle and james joyce who wrote that book is his last book he says we may come touch and go from atoms and ifs but we will always be at odds without ends so there's so much in that in that little line there's so many allusions and and double meaning that you can just ponder that sentence and that, that's part of the mystery. So the books that have been the most magical, the most books that would say, hey, there's a mystery here. We're part of it, and we're not here to solve it, but we're here to become it. And that's, that's the great um, joy of existence. 
Alan, the final question we have is, what would you say is the most powerful quote that you'd recommend people say on a regular basis or immerse themselves in? The most self-empowering quote, the most powerful quote you could think of? Oh, well, there's a couple. A couple. It's never too late to be who you could have been is one that I love, you know, because it's constantly reminded. It just you can if you have a dream, you can go for it. Um, you know, uh, reach for the stars is one that I love. Um, you know, carpe diem, Caesar, seize the day. You know, that's one. Seize the day. Don't sit back. Carpe diem. Seize. Go for it. Uh, you know, just go for it. Um, Whatever, follow your dreams, really, and and like like Joseph Campbell said, if you if you follow the dream your dreams, if you follow your bliss, where you thought there were walls, you will see doors and um, open up to new realities. So that's that's well, what I think, Mr. Alan Steinfeld. I want to say that uh, this is a riveting and compelling interview. Thank you so much for being with us today. We can learn more about Alan by going to his website at newrealities.com. He's also on the radio. Um, you know, he's got a phenomenal uh, mailing list. We're going to send you all the details on it. But, uh, Alan, it's a real honor. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for – and everything I'm saying is stuff I'm still learning. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm saying I'm <laughs> reminding myself every moment about everything that's come out of my mouth because we're all a work in progress. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Mr. Alan Steinfeld. And special thanks as always to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Caza, and Ms. Casa Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Taking care. Thank you so much for listening. Well, we're on the cusp of that magical time of year again. You know, that uh, magical time of year where they play commercials and say, eh, you got to go out. If you love someone, buy them a toaster. Buy them this piece of crap. Show them you love them for Christmas by buying them this piece of crap. Here's an idea. Instead of getting someone you love a piece of crap for Christmas this year, why not get them a reading with Miss Lisa Caza, Miss Constance Tellis, or Miss Carrie O'Connor from the Outer Limits of Truth Radio Show. Give them the gift of insight into themselves because they're going to return whatever piece of crap you buy them. They don't, they're not excited with the gift you're giving them. No one is. No one likes their presents. They just smile for the camera and say, hey, they're lying. You give them the gift of a psychic reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor. You learn more about her by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie can read auras. She can look into your field, communicate with the dead. I mean, communicating with the dead over a piece of crap present you're going to give that they're going to return anyway, that's a much better deal. You can get them a reading with this Lisa Kaza, a psychic empath, amazing, direct to the point. She'll provide insight on a person who's trying to find a job, trying to find romance in their life. That's a great, great gift. Or you can get them a reading with Miss Lisa, with Miss Constance Dallas, the Astro Phenom. Get their charts done. Find out what 2018 is going to bring for them. I'm telling you, you get them a reading with either one of these uh, amazing ladies from the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, and they're going to be happy. No joke, no return, nothing. Get the greatest gift you can, a reading with these individuals, and forego the piece of crap this year. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com Liberty sees me, it stands by me, and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to be corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work. Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today. Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at LibertyMutualCareers.com.